Hello, welcome back to another edition of the My Two Cents Podcast. This is a special review of the WWE NXT Deadline 2023 uh, premium live event that just happened this past Saturday night. If you're listening to this on a Sunday, um, it just happened yesterday. But if you're listening to this any other time, it's 2023's uh, Deadline review of the show. Um, I feel that this show was a good show. It wasn't one of their better shows that they had this past year from NXT, but it was still a solid show. It was entertaining, especially with the whole uh, survival challenge, the Iron Survivor Challenge, both the men and women's matches. Both of them were different, and I'm going to break down the difference in both of those when I get to them, but all the other matches, they were cool. They were fine, and the first match to start off deadline, well, before I even start that, NXT Deadline would open up with Shawn Michaels coming to the ring. He would play the Triple H role here, which Triple H used to do when he would uh, try to get the crowd hyped, get the crowd ready, ask them, are they ready? And then when he does this, CM Punk's music would hit. CM Punk would come down to the ring. CM Punk's wearing a Bret Hart hoodie, and Shawn would even make fun of that. He would say, oh, nice hoodie. And Punk would realize it. He said, oh, snap, I forgot my uh, Triple H, not Triple H, but uh, HBK merch in the back, and Sean would say, oh, no, that's fine, that's fine, and Punk would say, hey, you know what, you and Brett, you guys made up, I made up with Triple H in the back, this is all about healing, right, so again, Punk is still enjoying being back here, at least that's what it seems, I'm not saying that he's not, but I, it's still just so surreal, when you think about everything that what happened with Punk for the years that he was gone, and just to see him here still, after just Knowing that he signed to WWE and seeing how uh, smiley face he is, it's just so weird. But it's a good weird as a fan. Uh, you get this little fun uh, stuff between Sean and CM Punk to start off NXT. Punk will say that he's here basically just to enjoy the show, enjoy the night. And he takes a selfie with Sean because people in the back have took a selfie with Punk saying that they've watched uh, Punk since they were growing up, and Punk decided to do the same thing to Sean since he watched Sean since he was growing up. So we get that little fun interaction at the beginning of the show. After that, then we would get into the action. We would have the NXT North American Championship matchup being defended. We have the champion Dominic Mysterio going against the challenger Dragon Lee. Rey Mysterio, he's out here, but he's on commentary for the match. And I just want to say, Rey Mysterio on commentary for watching his son Dominic, who is a bad guy, is... It's entertaining, and it's a stark difference from where he was last year. Last year, when Dominic turned on Ray, Ray always felt that Dom, he can easily just go about his way and come back to the family and all that type of stuff, still wish his son goodwill, and not really cheer for the other person that his son was going against. But this year, a year later, after the whole turnabout, Ray has already put hands on his son Dom at WrestleMania. He's done it before in other matches, and now he's on commentary, hoping that his son loses the championship to Dragon Lee, who Ray has already crowned as the next guy to hold Lucha Libre up in, I would say, American wrestling. So we get that here. Dom and Dragon Lee, they have a good match with one another. Uh, Dragon Lee, he would win the match by pitfall, executing the Destino onto Dominic Mysterio to become the new North American uh, champion. There was no Judgment Day around this ring or even interfering. There was no JD. There was no 
Priest, Finn, or even Rhea. You would have thought that at least be Rhea because every time Dom was at least in NXT, he always had Rhea around him. But this time, no, he didn't have Rhea around. And that's the funny thing. The last two times that Dom has uh, lost the North American title is always whenever he doesn't have someone around. When he lost it to Trick Williams at, I want to say it was No Mercy, Rhea Ripley wasn't around. And this time here, when he lost it to Dragon Lee, who... Funny enough, he was the special guest referee for the match that uh, Dom lost the title to Trick Williams at No Mercy. He lost to Dragon Lee here, and Rhea Ripley was nowhere to be found. So, again, that's a nice little funny like thing that they could play on on Monday Night Raw, where Dom would probably get lippy, and they could say, hey, you lost your championship, and you lost it again without having Mommy by your side. So, again, that's adding another step to the story there, but Dominic and Dragon Lee, they had a nice match it wasn't anything too out the way to be honest with you it wasn't uh it didn't really fit the bill of a premium live event show for me it felt like a standard nxt main roster type of match and i'm not certain if that's the thing which they wanted but that's what at least came off to me when you watched a match but it's nothing wrong with that because you can't add all the sizzles to the first match, especially when you got uh, some pretty big matches coming up like in the rest of the night. So I understand that. But this was just a regular solid uh, fun match to open up the show. But Dragon Lee, he is now your new North American champion. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be defending that title on NXT and also probably on SmackDown as well. Now, next up, we have the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge. We will have Lash Legend Fallon Henley. Uh, Blair Davenport, Tiffany Stratton, and Kalani Jordan in this match. For people that are unaware what the Iron Survivor Challenge is, it starts off with two individuals, and then after every five minutes, another contestant will come in. Now, the twist to this is, when one person gets pinned, whoever gets pinned has to leave the ring and go into a penalty box for 90 seconds, and you have to be in there, as I said, for 90 seconds, and once that time is up, you're able to get back into the match. And the person that pinned you, they get a point. So that constantly happens until the time limit of the match will end. And the time limit for this match is 25 seconds. Now, Blair Davenport, she would win the Women's Iron Survivor Challenge with three points. Lash will have two. Fallon and Tiffany will have one. And Kalani Jordan would have zero. Now, this match to me played out exactly the way I thought it would. When I said in the predictions, I said, and I broke it down easy. I said, Blair Davenport, she's the veteran. When you look at everybody in this match, Blair's obviously the veteran. She had time on the independence before she got signed, so she's the vet. Lash Legend, she is the powerhouse, and she played the powerhouse in this match. And they really, they really used the momentum of what Lash got from her time on NXT this past previous week when she body slammed Otis here because as soon as Lash entered the ring, you immediately got the Tower of Doom spot. For people that don't know, the Tower of Doom is when all the competitors are on one turnbuckle fighting against each other. They got themselves structured out in a way, and it only takes for one person to basically come up underneath them, grab them, and just basically try to power them off the turnbuckle, and that's what Lash did. She hit a double powerbomb onto, uh, I believe it was Tiffany and Fallon, and then she hit a double suplex onto Blair and Kalani Jordan. So again, last she played a powerhouse in this match up here. Um, Fallon would get the, nope, Blair would get the first point by pinning Fallon. 
uh, after Tiffany Stratton hit Fallon with a cartwheel Alabama slam. Then Fallon would get a point by hitting Tiffany with a shining wizard. Lash would get, as I said, two quick points by hitting Tiffany Stratton with a choke slam, then hitting Fallon with a choke power bomb, and then stack both of the ladies on top of each other and pin both of them Roman Reigns style to get the two points. Blair would get another point by hitting a double a stomp on the back of Kalani Jordan. Tiffany Stratton would get a point by hitting the prettiest moonsault onto Lash Legend. Blair would get another fall by pinning Fallon after hitting her with a knee strike, and she did that literally within the last 10 seconds of the match. Um, So, everybody here, they played their role. Oh yeah, I forgot. Blair, as I said, she was a le- uh, vet. Lash Legend, she played a powerhouse. Fallon and Tiffany Stratton, they're in a rivalry right now, so majority of their time in this match was literally going after each other. And Kalani Jordan, she's the rookie, like legit. She just got into WWE this past year in NXT. She's not a independent wrestler. She comes from the um, gymnastics world. So she literally is a rookie and they have her in this role here. And she did the best that she could do. I mean, she played her role pretty well for being the rookie. She ate the pins. She ate some uh, damaging maneuvers to her. So, I mean, she played her part pretty well, but she left the ring and left the match with zero points to her name. Kind of like what a rookie would be. So, again, Kalani Jordan, she played her part perfectly in this matchup. Um, Metaphor, they did get themselves involved in the match when Tiffany Stratton and Fallon were in the penalty box and their time was almost up for them to get back into the match. Uh, You would see Noam Dar, Oral Mensa, and Jakari Jackson, like, rush to the penalty box and like hold their body next to the door so the door couldn't open up so Fallon and Tiffany had to climb up out of the penalty box but in the mix of that Tiffany would shove Fallon off the penalty box and Fallon would land through the commentary table and that would decimate the commentary table just for that moment and this isn't the first time the commentary table would have to get rebuilt and to just get redestroyed later in the night as well uh any other big things? Oh, yeah. Tiffany, she would hit a swanton off of the penalty box onto the other competitors in that matchup as well. So that's your highlights of this Iron Survivor Challenge for the women's side. I would highly recommend you go watch this matchup if you want to see women's wrestling and want to see what the future holds for WWE, or at least the NXT's division. This is a match that can show you and pinpoint to you, okay, this is who they want to prop up next up in line. Now, after the match, Blair will get a microphone and tell everyone she can't wait to face Lyra Valkyria at New Year's Evil, which will be on January the 2nd. This would have Lyra Valkyria come out, since she's the NXT Women's Champion, she would come out on the stage, hold up her championship in the air. Then she would get attacked from behind by a returning Cora Jade. Cora Jade is now back. She will grab the NXT Women's Championship. She will hold it in the air. And it seems that she is now going after Lyra as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how we deal with that because Lyra has to go through Blair to retain her championship on New Year's Evil, January 2nd. And more than likely, she'll probably get to handling Cora Jade after that. Now, on to the next matchup here. We have Carmelo Hayes going against Lexus King. And this match is all about basically. Does people actually believe Carmelo Hayes? Because before this match happened, you have a backstage segment of Carmelo and Trick in their locker room 
Melo's getting himself pumped up. Trick is just standing there, well, sitting there, and he's getting his arms like taped up. And Melo's trying to get Trick motivated so he can win his men's Iron Survivor um, challenge matchup that happens later in the night. Trick's just hearing this. He's like, "Yeah, man," and he just has that eye on Melo, like not believing him because weeks leading up to this match, it has been messages. Not messages, but videos showing of Lexus King looking like he's going to attack uh, Trick weeks ago when Trick got attacked and seeing that Mello was the guy that worked with Lexus King. But Mello has always been proclaiming his innocence and saying that he never had anything to do with Trick being attacked. And Lexus is always trying to put his two cents in and try to separate Carmelo and Trick here. So that's the way... And that's the reason why we have this match with Carmelo and Lexus King here. And Melo, he sees Trick. He says, hey, man, I'm going to handle my business here. And then I'm going to come back here and then you go and handle yours. Melo will leave. We get Melo versus Lexus King. Carmelo would win the match by pitfall by hitting nothing but net onto Lexus King to win the match. This match was a showcase match for Lexus King because Lexus King, he's only had what? I believe only this would be his third match on NXT, technically as the brand. He had his first match against Dante Chin, second match against, uh, what's my man's name? Josh Briggs, tag partner, Brooks Jensen. And this is his third match here with Melo, and he got it on a premium live event. And he's using this as an opportunity to showcase himself to the rest of the world. So you have Lexus King dominating Carmelo Hayes. I would say about a good 70-30 throughout this matchup here. Like, Melo was sprinkling some offenses here and there, but this match was all Lexus King until Melo would hit nothing but net onto Lexus to win the match. Um, after the match, Melo would leave the ring. He's walking up the ramp. Lexus would get on the microphone and tell everyone he didn't attack Trick Williams, but he appreciates Carmelo Hayes for giving him this spotlight on a premium live event. So you see Melo look at Lexus King like, so you didn't attack Melo. And as I said, this is going to continue on because now Lexus has already absolved himself saying that he didn't attack Trick Williams. And now this will absolve Carmelo. And now when we go to the backstage, Trick's excited because now he knows his boy had nothing to do with him getting attacked. He's apologetic to Melo, say, hey, man, I'm sorry for even like allowing a guy like Lexus King to affect our friendship or try to even be put in between our uh, friendship and Carmelo telling him, hey man, ain't nothing to worry about. You got to get yourself ready to win the men's iron survivor challenge. Go out there and whip them tricks. And Trick says that's what he's planning on doing. And that's the next matchup the men's iron survivor challenge. You have uh, Braun Breaker, Josh Briggs, Tyler Bate, Die Jack, and Trick Williams in the matchup. And Trick Williams would win the match with four points. He would win by, I mean, the grace of God. I mean, dude. Trick Williams went in the match for four points. Uh, Braun Breaker and Tyler Bate and Dijak all would tie with three points. And Josh Briggs, he would end the match with two points. Trick Williams, it seemed to me that he was not going to win this matchup, to be completely honest. It seemed that way because they're just, I'm not going to say they're just starting to, but since the middle of this year, I'll say like August, people really being like, rallying behind Trick Williams and they've been like okay we're going to separate start separating Trick and Mello 
and we're starting to allow Trick to get into matches by himself, do different things by himself, wanting to have his own life, technically, without Melo, and he wants to go out and conquer. And I didn't think he was going to win because I thought we were going to still go on the slow, steady uh, climb for Trick to get to that spot, get to that next level of being the main event. But no, they really gave you that, okay, he's not going to win spot until like the last minute because you see Trick Williams pull off the unbelievable and get three quick points in the last minute of this matchup when Eddie Thorpe would uh, stop I believe Dijak from pinning, I believe it was uh, Josh Briggs, because Dijak hit Josh Briggs with feast your eyes, pinned him. Eddie Thorpe came down, pulled the referee out of the ring because Eddie's already having beef with Dijak, and that stemmed from months ago. And you see Eddie beat up on Dijak, hit him with an insiguri, Trick Williams would roll up Dijak. So Dijak had to roll out of the ring. Tyler Bate, Tyler Bate would hit uh, Trick Williams with Spiral Tap, and then try to hit him with a Tyler Driver 97, but Trick Williams would counter out of that, hit him with a roll-up, and that got Tyler Bate out of here. And then you see Braun Breaker run in. Braun Breaker tries to hit Trick with a spear, but Trick Williams would hit him with a jumping knee in the face, and they cover Braun Breaker. And literally within the last, like, six seconds that he does this, and that's a quick three points, and Trick already at that point already had one point, because he was the last man on the totem pole. So that was three quick points that Trick literally got within a minute for him to win the Men's Iron Survivor Challenge. I mean, this matchup was a lot of fun. It was fast-paced. It was a lot more different than the women's, because each guy in this matchup technically has some in-ring savvy. I'll say Trick Williams is probably the less in-ring savvy. Josh Briggs, Tyler Bate, Dijak, they had independent... uh, experience before they got to WWE. Braun Breaker, he is the son of Rick Steiner and also the nephew of Scott Steiner, so he has wrestling in his blood. Trick Williams, literally, I don't know nothing about him with wrestling at all. I think he was another uh, athlete that came into WWE that was able to transition and become a great sports entertainer, and that's what happened here. So I, as I said, he's low on the wrestling totem pole but he was able to execute do what he needs to do and win the matchup here um Braun Breaker he pulled off being the power guy fast-paced guy the hybrid guy because as soon as he entered this ring into the match I mean my man got three quick points literally within 30 seconds he hit everyone with a spear out the gate he speared Tyler Bate Josh Briggs and Dijak all back to back to back to get like three points easy off those 30 seconds. Uh, Tyler Bate, he did a phenomenal job in here as well. He's the smallest guy in this matchup, but he was able to pull off his power here by uh, hitting, I believe it was Josh Briggs, with a airplane spin, then transition it over into the UFO. For people that don't know, UFO, type it into YouTube and put in Claudio Castagnoli or Cesaro after that, and you'll see what it means. It's basically just putting someone in the torture rack and just basically spinning them around on your shoulders. Uh, Tyler Bate would execute a Tyler driver onto Dijak in this match as well. I mean, every guy in this match played their role, like, to the T. Trick, 
as I said, being the guy that doesn't wrestle like that, but he's able to pull off some things. He did his job. Dijak being a guy that had independent work, but he's still being a big man. Same thing with Josh Briggs. Basically the same thing for these two. They did the exact same thing that they need to do. Braun Breaker being the hybrid, being the wrestler, being the son of a wrestler, being just everything that you want out of a professional wrestler, especially in this day and time, Braun Breaker was able to do that. Tyler Bate, the European style. He's the European. I mean, he was doing what he needed to do. Everybody in this men's Iron Survivor Challenge is great. I am giving you guys a poor explanation of this matchup. So that tells you right there, you need to watch this. I can't go into this enough about how much I enjoyed that Iron Survivor Challenge, both the men and women. I implore you, go watch both of those matches. I feel that i done a poor job at explaining both of these things and give me the highlights. Please, go watch both of those matches. Now, next up, the Steel Cage matchup. You have Roxanne Perez going against Kiana James. Kiana, she will win this match by pinfall thanks to interference from Izzy Dame. When Roxanne was planning on leaving the ring after she already took the chair from Kiana James, was going to use it, but Kiana, she got on her knees and waved off Roxanne telling her, hey, you win, you win. Roxanne was going to leave. The cage door was open, and as she came forward to it, Izzy Dame popped out of nowhere and just shut the door right on Roxanne's head. This allowed Kiana James to grab Roxanne, hit her with a deal breaker, which is a... uh swinging head onto the knee, but she held onto the chair as well by doing this. Onto Roxanne to win the match. So Kiana James ends this feud with Roxanne, at least for now. So with Roxanne kind of being out of the way for Kiana James, hopefully this allowed Kiana James to go off and venture and do other things. That probably won't be the case because Roxanne, she's probably not going to let this go. It's probably going to be for Roxanne now to get a tag partner to take on Izzy Dame and Kiana James now. Um, the Steel Cage match, it was a solid match. It wasn't Becky and Trish Stratus level because Roxanne and Keanu James are both still kind of, I'm not going to say kind of new. They've both been in WWE at least now for a solid year, but you're not going to get a Trish Stratus and Becky Lynch Steel Cage match level from Roxanne and Keanu James. It's just not going to happen. They don't have the experience enough like a Becky and Trish to execute certain things. They were able to do what they could do. That's fine. And it's still on NXT. There's still the learning process. So I'm not mad at it. I'm not saying they did anything wrong. It's just that I can't give you anything specific about the steel cage match that make you like, oh, go, oh, wow. So, I mean, there was one cool move that we did see. Uh, Roxanne Perez, she was able to hit Pop Rocks whenever Keanu James was looking for a move, but Roxanne was able to quickly reverse out of that and hit Pop Rock, so I did like seeing that. But other than that, this is like your standard steel cage match without like any blood or anything. So, solid matchup, to be completely honest. Now, we move to the main event for the NXT Championship. You have Ilya Dragunov going against Baron Corbin. Ilya would retain his championship by pinfall, hitting three H-bombs. For people that don't know, that's basically a dropping forearm onto your opponent's neck but Ilya Dragunov he does it with so much velocity and so much anger like when he does it it seems that he is straight up just trying to murder you when he does it so he does this to Baron three times then he hits Torpedo Moscow which is a running headbutt onto Baron to retain his NXT championship solid match between Ilya and Baron 
Um, Baron, he tried his best. I mean, Baron even hit a top rope chokeslam onto Ilya, but Ilya, he's just different. He is a guy that will take the pain. I'm not going to say love the pain, but he will invite the pain, and he knows he's going to have to use that to overcome his opponents, overcome what he's doing in that ring. And he knows with taking the pain, he knows he's going to dish it out two or three times even harder. And he did that here with Baron Corbin. I mean, striking, he was able to do that. Suplexing, he was able to do that. Both of you guys were good at their position for what they were doing. But to me, I like Ilya Dragunov going against Carmelo Hayes. Their match is better. And I even like Baron Corbin going against Melo for the NXT Championship when they had their uh, situation better than this match. It's nothing against these two. It's just that it was solid. That's all I can say. But with the feud that Baron and Ilya are having or did have, it was all about one person not being around their family, sacrificing everything. Ilya doing that while Baron, he has everything. He has his family. He has all that stuff. And he wants the NXT championship. Like, and he was getting into Ilya's head throughout this whole feud in the way that Ilya was proclaiming. Like, he wanted to try to rip Baron's head off. Again, besides hitting the H bomb, everything else was a standard Ilya Dragunov match. At least in my opinion, the way that I saw it, I felt that it was just all right. It was standard. It's nothing bad about being standard, but I wanted more velocity. I wanted more vigor. I wanted more oomph to it. If they had like some condition on it, like using weapons was allowed or anything like that, I think we probably got more of that, but it was just a standard one-on-one matchup between Ilya and Baron, and it was cool. And I like Baron Corbin, and I like Ilya Dragunov, but this was just cool to me. And uh, that was basically NXT Deadline. Oh, yeah. After the match, what happened? Trick Williams would come out. He's on the ramp. He's uh, making the championship waste taunt that everybody does whenever they're next for the championship. And as NXT deadline would start to fade to black, you'll see Carmelo Hayes start walking up behind Trick and have a look on his face. So we're still pushing the whole idea that Melo was the guy that attacked Trick Williams about a month ago, but we're still pushing that. We don't know who really did, but we're all trying to finger point to Mello. So that's what we end up with NXT deadline. So that's my review of the show. Both Iron Survivor challenges, both the men and women matches were great. I suggest you go watch both of those matches. Uh, Everything else, still solid. I'm not here to crap on anybody. I respect all the performers. I just wanted to give my reasoning why I said what I said, but other than that, I still respect everybody that does this profession. I do want that to make that abundantly clear. Please don't find any malice in what I said about anything and what I said here. I do respect everybody. Just want to get that extremely clear out the way right there, okay? Now, go watch NXT this upcoming week because stories will play out. We still don't know, by the way, who's going to be the NXT superstar that's going to be in the United States Championship Tournament on SmackDown. We might get an answer to that on Tuesday as well, and we're still going to find out the stories that will come into play on NXT. The Ilya Dragunov, Trick Williams, and Carmelo Hayes story that's being popped back up again. What is Dragon Lee going to do? Is he going to be have to relinquish the NXT North American Championship, or is he going to be a defending champion and have to make the travel to SmackDown and NXT every week? 
uh, the stuff with Cora Jade. She's back now. She's going to give an explanation on why she attacked Lyra, which I think everybody knows what that is. Um, was this leaf with, well, Roxanne Perez. Roxanne probably got to find an attack partner to go after Kiana and Izzy. I mean, there's a different abundance of stories of what's going to happen now next, but go watch NXT this upcoming week, and I think everybody will find what we're looking for. Now, having said all that, it's time for me to get my self-promotion out of the way. If you did not listen to my Sunday episode, which should be out now, it's called Foolish. Go listen to that episode. If you did not listen to my Wrestling Highlights of the Week episode, which came out yesterday, you can go listen to that as well. And if you did not listen to my Midweek episode, which I talk about any and everything, but I end the show off by playing music, you can go listen to that as well. That's available to you now. Now, with all the self-promotion out of the way, I want to say to everyone, I love you all. Please have a safe day. Please have a safe week. And you'll hear from me again this upcoming Wednesday for midweek episode. And this upcoming Saturday with Wrestling Highlights of the Week. And also my Sunday episodes as well. So with that, have a great day. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy yourself. And remember, whoop that trick.